Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Across the Campus. I'm Alexander Coopin, and I'm joined here by Jonathan Shelton. So that was a really insightful episode. Had a lot of interesting advice on business and entrepreneurship. It even applied a lot to real life. It's like you yeah, had a real-life coach definitely. in front of you. Yeah, you usually got to pay to get that type of coaching. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of really interesting ideas um, and different innovative things that uh, Floyd bring, brought up today. Absolutely. Um, definitely excited to have him on. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. This is the Ignite Podcast. Hello, and welcome everybody to the Clarkson Ignite Podcast. Today, we're joined by Dr. Floyd Ormsby. Um, who is part of the Ray School of Business. How are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. How are you? Fantastic. Great, Great to see you in a not-pandemic setting. Yeah. Um, Half-pandemic. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's it's definitely been a crazy year. Um, and with all these this craziness and stuff that's going on, um, we'd love to – talk and chat about the different um, things that students need to do to adapt and survive throughout this changing world, especially young entrepreneurs. Um, so it's like kind of focusing on that. Um, what is kind of the things that students as well as like, like prospective people trying to start a business, what are they trying to do or what practices do you see them employing um, going into this super adaptable and sporadic, volatile environment. Yeah, things change a lot faster today, obviously, because yeah. people are connected a lot more. Um, and there's pluses and minuses to that. You know, my field of study is organizational behavior. Right. So while the connectivity and Zoom and, and all of that sort of thing are great for getting people connected, it also is horrible for getting people connected. There's a lot of that that's missing. And I think that's what a lot of people are, you know, that are trying to start a new business or come up with an entrepreneurial idea is the ability to sit down across the table from somebody and talk to them. It's one thing to, to go to a Zoom room or a Zoom meeting or fill out an online, you know, survey or market survey. But when you sit down and the rubber kind of hits, hits the road, that might be a very different story. And I think that's one thing that people are struggling yeah. with. Yeah, there's definitely, like, the disconnect with, like, people's and uh, their energies. Like, yep. when you're in a room and you're in that business scenario, you need to feel out the kind of vibes and stuff like that. I think that's definitely one thing that's lacking a lot. Um, but what ways do you see, like, students getting – or, like, not students, but prospective entrepreneurs, like, trying to get around that – or work at different angles um, in trying to be, like, innovative in the way they think about those types of scenarios. Yeah, using online services, online um, survey services and that sort of thing to get, you know, some connection, to get some information from their potential clients, from, you know, people that might be interested in the services or, or product that they're going to create or make. And, you know, those, those online connections are, again, are great, but they're sort of hit and miss. You don't know if, it, if that's going to be your your true market. Um, sure, I might be able to get a 1,000 respondents, but are those really the people that I'm trying to sell my service to? Right. If it's something, for example, if, if I come up with a 
create a business idea that would service elder people, 70 years old and older. And I go out and I do, you know, a bunch of surveys online. I got to, I, I would struggle to believe that, you know, grandma and grandpa are sitting there at home on their TikTok account looking for the opportunity to do an online yeah, survey. Absolutely. So they'll get some responses, but, you know, who knows that that's the right demographic and to connect with that right demographic might be difficult. That, that, and, and, I, and I don't do a ton of online survey stuff, but from the outside looking in, it would seem that that would be an issue. Yeah. I know there's students that that's, you know, for example, um, students in our SB113 course, the freshman on entrepreneurship course, they um, have to work and come up with a business plan, and then they pitch it to these potential, quote, unquote, investors. Nice. We get some uh, local leaders and banks to come in, uh, some alumni. We get some faculty to go in, and the students literally have a, a business plan pitch. And they do that with them. We did it online last year. We did it via Zoom. And it just really lacked that, again, the ability to look, you know, yes, you can see maybe the camera feed from each of the, the investors. Uh, but it lacked that interpersonal connection to really read the audience and to really read how people what they were thinking of the proposal and, you know, those sorts of things. Absolutely. What do you see the impact that the pandemic had with all the prevalence of Zoom? Um, I know you've been mentioning how it's been really hard to find that connection. Um, is there anything else, like, do you see a beneficial side to that? Or is it more um, something you want to see phased out in the future? I think for a one-on-one -on -one or one-on-several meeting, it's fine, right? If I can see everybody's face on the screen, right. it's still not ideal. Yeah. But if, for example, teaching classes last, not not this current fall, yeah. but last fall where we were broadcasting and live, um, I taught over in the alumni gym. And I yeah. had probably 80% of the students, that was, that was a chore to start with, I had 80% of the students in class and maybe 20% online. Mm -hmm. So that, that took away from the in-class experience because I was anchored. It's a big room. Yeah. And usually if I teach in a big room, if I'm in the science center in one of the lecture halls, I'll wander around the room right. just to get proximal connection. To, because it's different if I'm three feet from you. Yeah than if I'm 30 or 40 feet from you. So in the gym, I couldn't move because you're anchored to that camera and you had to stay near the near the yeah. microphone. And that I think that took away from the students that were in that room because you're almost having to not yell, but certainly broadcast very loudly, number one. Um, and for the students that are online, they lose something as well. You know, with in a, in a room full of 70 people, you know, 50-some of which are there in person and the others are online and their camera's off, we've all been in Zoom meetings where it's really easy to click exactly. off the camera and, you know, check our email or work on yeah. something else. So that's so back to your question of, of the benefits. I think that, you know, it's a lot easier to set up a meeting. You know, yeah. if, if, if I'm at home for a day for one reason or another, I can meet. So, for example, I had some surgery last year, and I was able to take a few weeks off to start to recuperate, but then go back to teaching and teach online. Not ideal, 
but I was able to continue to teach the course. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. Right. But the, the downfall, I think, is that, number one, total reliance on it. I, my, my fear is that a lot of people have become very comfortable with meeting on Zoom. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that the long term when we've lost masks and we're finally to a point where we've got this thing under control, right. that there will be a lot of people that have fallen a few steps behind on the interpersonal meeting piece. Absolutely. You know, it's really, it, it, it's really a different set of skills to be on a Zoom meeting than to meet somebody and shake their hand or, to, or you know, Absolutely. that sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's a totally different experience, especially like the uh, sets of skills that people have brought to the career fair. So the freshmen that have never had the experience of going in an in-person compared to doing it on Zoom, it's two totally different experiences. And I've and I've I talked to my students about that in, in org behavior. And a lot of them, boy, the the career fair, I wasn't sure what to, you know, how do you this and how do you that? And well, you just walk up to people and you talk to them. I've never had to do that before. You're gonna, (laughs) actually. (laughs) I hope you are anyway. Yeah. But yeah, talking about um, your your course with that capstone, um, you were talking about how there's like investors and banks that come in and they talk to your students, right? Or they do this. It's, it's actually more? a freshman course. Oh, it's a freshman course? As soon as students come in. Uh, we have uh, Professor Mark Campo currently teaches that course for us and taught it for a number of years. And awesome. uh, one of the first classes they take, and he throws them in, like, right into the deep end of the pool. Like, walks in on the yeah. first. Because that course, there's a lot of that course that really involves that personal connection and being able to talk to people and make the, you know, create the relationships. So his first class, many times he'll walk in, the students will be there and he'll purposely walk in, I believe a couple minutes late Mm -hmm. to create some (laughs) angst and he'll walk in and set an envelope up in the front and say, I'll see you on Monday and walks out. And the instructions of what they have to do is in that envelope. And it says, you know, break yourself up into yeah. teams and come up with a rough sketch idea of a business plan. And you're going to present it to me on Monday. And they, they're like, oh, my God, what do we do? And they, But they have to do it. Yeah. And they really, right. they're forced to do that. When I did my master's degree here, um, we used to do uh, tabletop discussion exercises. Mm-hmm. So you, like, it's the first day of orientation. You've just met everybody. You're not... Coming back to you're coming back to school, but not with these people. These are people from all over, and the rules of it were that you would sit down at a table with like six people or four people, however many it was, and they would give you some broad list of topics, and you had to sit and carry on conversation for like ten minutes, with no more than like a ten second pause. It sounds really easy, but when you're talking to people that you don't know. And you've got to continue to make that conversation. It was difficult. And yeah. it really pushes you out of your comfort zone. You have to work on those inner personal yeah. communication and, it, and there's so much more to it. It's, yeah. you know, it's not just coming up with something to say. But especially when you're in the presence of people, it's the, the facial behavior and the non, you know, if you're all folded up in your arms or you're hugging yourself and, you know, you're yeah. leaning back versus things like leaning. That. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of that that. There's a lot of that we miss out on. Yeah. So the, the freshmen that are in that um, last year, I think, really got shortchanged with that because, again, their presentations were on Zoom. Yeah. 
Um, and when they do them in person, there's a bit more angst about it. It's pretty easy to sit in front of a computer and talk to a, a camera. Yeah. Whole different ball game if you're sitting in a room of 50 people and five or eight of them are going to decide if they're going to give you money to start your business exactly. or not. Yeah. Do, do some of these students actually go out and co- like go further and actually go through with these business plans? They're actually applying for funding. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we have a pool of funds. Really? It's a very small fund pool, and those those quote unquote investors, they'll ask for some X number of dollars of startup funds, yeah. so they get a loan from that fund. If they make money, they pay back the loan. Um, if they don't make money, it's awesome. a lesson learned. What, what are some of the uh, like companies that are coming out of there? Like what we said, ideas are coming out of that. I may be wrong on this, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they're used to be there's a there's a uh, bookstore down in Chile. Mm-hmm. There used to be a kiosk in Chile right. that yeah. sold stuff. If I'm not mistaken, that started as one of those business no plans. Very cool. I think, but again, I, I <laughs> may be wrong. Mojo, the coffee shop yeah. in that was snow, I believe run. started as, as at least yeah, some of the ideas right. came from that. Very cool. Yeah. So it's 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 those types of things. And we've had a lot of, of those students that have come out with business plans that they will run it first semester and then, you know, divest it. Um, some others have wanted to take it and have left, you know, the school after they've graduated and gone on and started, you know, their own business with it and those sorts of things. So. Absolutely. I believe the Shipley Center and the President's Challenge even has some stuff similar yeah. to that. Do you see yep. heavy involvement in that, or is that something that the would be a good opportunity for your business uh, students to look into? Certainly to look into. Our engineering and management, engineering and management is one of the programs in the school of business. Mm-hmm. And their capstone, they don't do the, the SB. 113 course. They do a separate course. Um, I think it's the numbers EM120. And it's the parallel course, but it's for someone who's a hybrid engineer and management student. Mm-hmm. They'll go in and actually design a product. And they'll yeah. actually make a prototype. And then be involved in the president's challenge. Where a lot of the business plans that the business students present are more skill or service-based. More so than making a product. Some of them may be making a product um, some of them may not, you know, it just depends on the year and, and the students that are in there. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Um, but I want to kind of shift a little more, sure. um, and kind of talk about the, um, one of your expertise, international business. Yep. So one of the things that we're seeing is like, there's a lot of difficulty with, um, business, especially like in different countries communicating with each other at a time like this. Um, what practices and what different ways are we, um, are we trying to approach that right now into the future? And what do you see it like in 10 years from now? So it's interesting to the day that we're recording, this happens to be the travel fair. (laughs) So this afternoon we'll, We'll uh, present our ideas for our uh, global business program courses. Nice. So we had we had obviously they were canceled last year. No one could travel. Um, the year before that, the undergraduate trips were canceled. I was actually on a graduate trip when the pandemic hit in March. Um, while we were in 
we go to Bangkok uh, for a week, we oh, go yeah, to Singapore, awesome. and then we go to Sydney. And we had to really shift gears while we were on that trip. Yeah. Um, because two weeks prior, everything was fine. The morning we left, like we left at, you know, four in the morning, and within two hours, the Montreal airport closed. And then we here. left Vancouver and the Vancouver airport closed. When we got to Bangkok, things were still open, mm -hmm. but they were starting to tighten up. So we had to shift how we did our business visits. Yeah. So, for example, we were visiting a company, and we were supposed to do a plant tour. We'd been on that plant tour a number of times with other groups. Mm -hmm. We got there, and their corporate office said, you know, no, no one can go out on the shop floor. You can host them in the boardroom and have someone do a virtual tour. So we're in the boardroom talking to the president of the company, uh, of that division anyway, and he had one of his people walk around with an iPad and yeah. film the machines working and that sort of thing. By the time we got a week later, by the time we got to Australia, everything was closed up. Right. Uh, restaurants were open, you know, that sort of thing. But businesses were all like nobody, especially if they're from another country, nobody can come into the offices. Yeah. So um, we were... It was so late in that cycle that we weren't able to set up those virtual tours. Mm -hmm. But four or five of the companies we were supposed to visit said, boy, if we'd had another few days and could have arranged it, then we yeah. could have done a virtual tour. And that's it. So I suspect that doing business in the future, if I want your company to, I want to license you to make my product, um, maybe I won't travel to your country yeah. and go tour that. Um, but rather do the virtual tour thing and, and do a lot of that negotiation online. Yeah, I can definitely see a lot of that with the kind of forcible reliance on a lot of virtual technologies yeah. that you will see a lot more interaction with uh, long-range business deals being more viable at least, yep. which could be a positive aspect of this pandemic in the long run perhaps. And I think you see more more um, companies sort of uh, compromising on how to meet. Yeah. So, for example, we have our Canadian Studies program that's going on right now, right? It goes on this semester. And the first of those trips went this past weekend to Ottawa. Mm -hmm. They would usually tour, for example, the Canadian Mint. They can't right now. Mm -hmm. So they had a representative from the Canadian Mint, Clarkson alum, <laughs> Um, that they um, held a lunch and they had three or four of the business people that they were going to go tour um, come to the lunch and then meet with the students there. So the so businesses recognize and realize the importance still of of meeting with people. It's just that you can't necessarily bring a, a group of people into their office. So they're willing to go and, and meet outside of the office and, and do that a little different way. It is a lot more convenient. I'm even seeing it now where in the past, before the pandemic, I would um, have all my meetings with, like, group projects. We'd always be like, oh, let's try to find a place. Like, yeah. let's go to this place and whatnot. And now, like, with emerging technologies, we could be like, oh, well, let's just set up a Zoom meeting. You could yeah. be anywhere. We don't have to – it could be, like, 15 minutes like, especially, it's definitely a lot more productive, but not having that social yeah. interaction is um, detrimental. For my org behavior class, for the last, God, probably 10 years, I've given them a virtual team assignment. 
So, and it's semester long. So I put them into random groups purposely. I don't let them pick their own groups and put them in a random group and then have them meet and ask them not to meet in person. Yeah. And ask them to do a, ver and I was doing that well before the pandemic and students were like, oh, I'm never going to use this. You well, don't know that. Yeah. You never yeah, know. We never know. And if you're on a, you know, some kind of a virtual team where you need to work with somebody in another part of the world, it's a different skill set. And yeah. they begrudgingly started doing it and got a lot of good feedback. So I kept doing that. Yeah. And I absolutely. still do it. Absolutely. Do you see managers getting some good or what particular insight would you say to managers who are trying to use that? Because teams have expanded a lot due to pandemic. I know there's a lot more global teams that now can't physically meet in person. Right. What would you say to managers who are having to deal or entrepreneurs who are trying to get into where they're having to work globally? What would you say to them on how you would approach that? Because it's not the same management style as if you're managing from a computer screen than if you're managing in person, seeing them every day. Right. What would you give as advice for that? I would say to certainly be careful that you don't lose the organizational culture aspect of those meetings. Mm -hmm. So again, it's very easy to flip on Zoom and I go in and have my meeting and it's the end of the meeting and suddenly just numbers start to decrease and you know cameras are disappearing. Um, as opposed to, you know, having a meeting and then people chat afterwards yeah. or, you know, that kind of cross contamination of ideas from one person yeah. to the other to make sure you don't lose that. Cause Absolutely. that's a, that's a big benefit of the, of the team setting is just those sporadic meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the companies that we visit on our trips, uh, went back, you know, you know, historically went back years ago when they had, oh, we wanted our own individual office spaces. Mm -hmm. So they went ahead and made sure everybody had an office space and had their own desk and sort of their own little piece of property where they could decorate it. Right. And then many of those companies went back through and completely revamped to an open office area yeah. so that they didn't have assigned seats so that I'm not going to sit next to you every day, mm -hmm. but I'm going to sit next to somebody. I don't know who. Yeah. And made things a lot more module in order to to foster that, and I think that the 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 Zoom thing does away with some of that. Yeah, it helps it in some ways that it is really easy to set up a meeting and you can have it ready in two minutes, yeah. and you don't have to worry about people driving or walking there. Uh, but then you also have the potential to lose that other piece of exactly. Of you want that social connection. Yeah. You want yeah. everybody wants like, especially a friend at work. Um, yeah, you need yeah. a team. You need yeah. a team culture. If it's just a group of individuals, you'll never get much done. And working from home is you yeah. know difficult on its own. My Definitely. my stepdaughter started a new job back in March. She didn't ever foot step foot in her new office. I think until the end of May or the first of June yeah. and just would go in like once every three weeks to pick up files and take uh, them home and work yeah. and just finally started going to the office a few days a week, like within the last two or three weeks. Yeah. And so she's sending me pictures of the office of, you know, here's, here's this. I didn't know we had this space or here's the cafe. I didn't know we had that. I'm like you've worked for them for six months and you don't know that. Yeah. You know, what else is missing? And there's a lot. Yeah, and that's very prevalent from my experience as a freshman of last year. The more in-person things got, the more you're like, oh, there's actually stuff 
that it's yeah. here. I yeah, can well, do you things. Think, think of a company like Google, right? Yeah. Where a lot of the charm of working for that company is the experience of being in those four walls. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to visit a Google facility. They're cool. Yeah. We've, we yeah. toured them in Sydney, Australia. And, you know, they, they take great pains to literally design each room. And there's a reason that it's designed. It may look really bizarre. The they had one room we went preserved, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> we went to one, one room that had these really weird shapes on the walls. And mm-hmm. what they did was they had a team in there, and they were kind of a rowdy team, and they were doing a good job, and they decided they wanted different colors in the room. So they went and got coveralls and hairnets and painted the fronts of themselves and would just run up and jump against the wall. <laughs> and they had all these body prints all over the room, and that was the decoration for it. Yeah. But there was that team that would always be able to go back in there and re, you know, kind of go back to that mm-hmm. great meeting day they had or whatever it was. Yeah. And if you're working from home and you know that's you can see that in the background from yeah. the zoom screen, that's not quite the same. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How important do you think um social media has become, especially within the last 10, 15 years, um with um I guess business and things like that tremendously important um it it, it's it you know there are obviously there's pluses and minuses the minuses being that you know social media is a very safe place for people to allow all the worst parts of humanity to come up and it's very easy to do that and very safe for them to do it without having to look you in the eye and say what they would type on the screen so even businesses experience that so for example uh, a restaurant, they've got a Facebook page. You know, the, the one person that has the bad experience will certainly go in and post that. Yeah. And there might be a hundred people that had a good experience and maybe one or two of them will post the good. And it looks like, boy, 25% of the people that go in there have a bad experience. Yeah. Where it's really 1%. You yeah. Know? And Absolutely. So, that, so there's that side of it. And, you know, again, I, and I, it, I may sound like a broken record. But it goes back to the, for a business, it, it becomes very easy for them to lose the personal connectivity. Yeah. And I'm, for example, I'm, I am trying to have some uh, work done at an upholstery shop. And I've tried calling for two weeks, like every day, mm-hmm. three or four times a day. And I can't get an answer. Can't get an answer. So this morning, before I come over, I sent him a note on Facebook Messenger. And within 15 minutes, get a response back. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't take the time um, to bother answering the phone. This is the best way to get a hold of me. Thanks for I, thanks for sending a note. And again, the the written text based message lacks a lot. You yeah. know, you, there's no intonation. You can't tell if they're sound like a jerk. <laughs> you know, all yeah. you get is yeah. the words. It, it, you know? It's really a true thing, and especially with the younger generations, you're seeing a real reluctance to meet in person or yeah. even over the phone. Yeah. Um, texting and social media has become very prevalent means of communication. And even um, a lot of people are getting news and information from there. Oh, yeah. So how would you tell for people who are interested in becoming entrepreneurs or business people, how would you suggest that they stay abreast of the field 
not just factually, like in your educational department, but like what their um, peers or coworkers are thinking. Do you recommend social media as a good way to kind of get a feel for things? Or would you go, yeah, (laughs) what what would you suggest for them to go and find the working pulse of an industry or what they're trying to do? I actually talk about that a little bit in my class about not just about social media, but about even the news. Yeah. You know, if if you're watching Channel A and, you know, it looks like, well, you know, the world's burning down, switch it to Channel B and Channel B probably everything's bright and rosy and going really well. Yeah. And um, then you walk outside and it may be something entirely different. Yeah. When we were traveling in March of 2020 and the pandemic hit, um, if if we watched the news, like we're sitting in Sydney trying to get an earlier flight back and we could not. Right. If I would have watched the news and only relied on what I saw in the news and not walked outside or mm-hmm. not gone to a restaurant or gone into a store, I would have thought that the entirety of Australia was shut down and that the rest of the world was shut down. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, things were slowed down. Companies weren't allowing people from other countries into their office space. But you could still go into a pub and and sit and have a beer. They had every other seat blocked off. You could go into a restaurant. Uh, They didn't want you you know, sitting table to table to table. Um, but you were able to go in and, and find a meal. You were able to go to the store. Um, Australia's had some weird stuff going on in the last few months. Yeah. Um, but you were still able to, to do all of that. And we were able to, thankfully, get on the last flight out of Australia to Canada and, um, and then eventually get back to New Jersey. And, yes, things were shutting down. When we got back, we pulled our students and asked yeah. them about, you know, was this as horrible as if, as it would have looked on the news? And to a person, those students that went on the trip said they were very glad they went, would go again because yeah. of that, because they were out and actually saw what was going on. Yeah. And and it said they'd never be scared to travel again. If, you went, if you've traveled through a pandemic, it takes a lot to rattle you after. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say that, that if you're interested in, you know, starting a business or you're working in a business, Sure, you've got to pay attention to what people are saying on social media. Mm-hmm. But walk outside and see what the weather looks like. Don't, yeah, just, don't just rely on the app. You know, yeah, don't go and check it out. Absolutely. Or talk to people or whatever. Yeah, it's definitely like sometimes I'm looking at the news. Um, and I have family in Germany, too. Yeah. I'm looking at the news and I'm like, damn, like this is crazy. Yeah. Stuff's happening. Like, Or I see something about Germany. And I like... I'm like, hey, like, are you guys okay? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, so yeah, that's fun. very common. I yeah. Oh, yeah. More than you'll know somebody, and it's completely different story than what the news shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's true domestically as well. You know, so, you know, to, to go to a, a city, uh, you know, and you're, oh, the crime is horrible. You can't walk up the street. Well, Maybe you don't want to wander around at two in the morning, but yeah. certainly you can walk around at one in the afternoon. If you're, I mean, you got to be careful. But again, go out and, and take a look at what's actually going on on, on the ground. Yeah. And that's that's important. Definitely. Um, so, uh, kind of switching it a little more. Sure. Um, so uh, about Clarkson yep. and uh, the race school of business. Yep. 
So what do you think that Clarkson does that um, in the race school business that's a little more innovative or more, um, I guess, that other universities don't do in this program? Sure. I think that our freshman course, I don't think that that's a unique course across the United States for institutions. A lot of schools have those classes. I think that most schools, I would say the vast majority of schools, have those as a junior or senior level course, and mm-hmm. they use it as literally as a capstone. Um, I've not heard of, I'm sure there are, but I've not heard of a school that takes literally students in their first class and throw them into that. Yeah. And and it and it's sort of the same idea that, you know, once you travel with a pandemic, it takes a lot to rattle you. You throw students into that, and it takes a, a lot to rattle them. Yeah. So when I get – so they take that in their first year. I get most of the business students in their second year. Uh, my behavior course is a sophomore-level course. When they come in and we cover a topic, the questions that they ask are very different from students who have not gone through creating a business plan or pitching a business or, and they have to run the business in the second semester in their spring semester. Some of those businesses that get funded will go on and actually start to start up. Yeah. Right. And they have to do all the HR stuff. They have to deal with all the, uh, the leadership stuff, all the managerial stuff, all the finance stuff, and they have to do that on their own. So when they're asking a question, if we're covering, you know, motivation theory, some students yeah. are going, you know, what's that third level of Maslow's hierarchy? And these guys are going, oh, we got students that won't do this. How do I fix that? Yeah, That's, Those are very different questions. <laughs> yeah. And it allows them to, I think, look a lot deeper into the rest of their education. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it allows them to learn by doing instead of just simply book. Yeah. And it's and it's like the the difference with a with a graduate student, like an MBA student. Yeah. A student that comes in with no work experience will experience that MBA program far differently than somebody who's worked for a while. Yeah. Because you've you've seen it and you've experienced it and you know what it is, and then you read about it. So, oh yeah, that's what that was. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely sticks with you for sure. Yeah. 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 What innovations would you like to see come built into, uh, or I guess. What innovations would you like to see more of um, in these classes or just what you personally would like to see um, upcoming business uh, managers or entrepreneurs using? That's a good question. Um, A lot of times innovation and pedagogy in a class is limited by resources. Yeah. And, you know, everything is tightly squeezed and all that sort of thing. What would be really cool would be if we were able to offer students, and it's not just about money. Don't mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I didn't mean that by that mm-hmm. statement. But what would be really cool would be to have either a requirement or an opportunity that every single student that comes in as a freshman gets the chance to start up their business. Yeah. One way or another. Um, yeah. Whether that's a service, or they're creating a product, but they get a chance to do that. Whether it flops or it's a great success, to be able because you learn from both of those. Absolutely. And to, to be able to do that where everyone does it. Not that it's not a, 
don't get me wrong that it's I'm not trying to say it's an everybody wins kind of thing because yeah. I absolutely don't believe in that. But that everybody at least has the chance to to take a shot at it. Yeah. Um, and those that do very well and are successful, great. Then they can go on and, and take that with them or fold it up if they're done with it and use it later. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody would have the opportunity to, to be able to do that. And that's that would be horrifically resource intensive, either yeah. from guidance from faculty and having the right specialties to having the space to be able to make that happen or the equipment to make it happen to, quite frankly, money too. That's yeah. another big issue. Yeah. But, yeah, there it would be an excellent tool if it was – uh, possible to do even if it was only a certain percentage but yeah. inc every increment that you would get um, practically sitting down and trying to do something gives you way more practical and just book knowledge even on what is going on so that would be a very very cool thing to be able to do or even just really try to get students to do it on their own a little yeah. bit we have the Shipley Center and we have other resources that while not required now, could really help students uh, get that off the ground. Yeah. And uh, if they could take a bit of initiative, if that's the correct word to say, or just be encouraged into using some of the stuff where they could get out there and try it for themselves, it could be a really positive experience for them. I th One other thing that just came to mind, too, I think that, and again, time being the resource here. Yeah would be if we could get people into freshman classes all across the institution right. mm -hmm. and explain what Shipley does yeah. and explain yeah, what Ignite is and talk to them about all the stuff that's available to them, um, I think we would see a lot more students utilize yeah. those resources. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. a lot of them either think, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a business student. I, you know, I, I can't do anything there. Or I'm a biology student. Well, guess what? There's a lot of inventions of biology that yeah. are absolutely life-changing. That absolutely. could be huge. I think one other big thing in terms of innovation, and we're working on some of these things, by the way, in the race school. One other big um, innovation would be to kind of spread the message of how important global experience is. Yeah. Because you do yes. business across the world. I and, think every student should do that. And, the school, and we're starting to look at that as a university. Um, I know the engineering school is starting to, to pilot some trips and that sort of thing. It's hard to get faculty to do them. Yeah. You know, you're taking a group yeah. of students across the world. And, like, I, you've, you've got to – and it's not a matter of, you know, holding you down and controlling you. But you got to have some level of control to make sure that nothing bad happens. Yeah. And yes. and I have very, very, very frank discussions with my students I take to Australia and tell them, you know, look, I, 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 I'm not the fun police. That's not what we're talking about. But look at this as a business trip. Yeah. If you were working for me and I sent you here, how would you behave? And if that involves you showing up hungover in the morning – and smelling still yeah. like you're at the bar, that's not going to go well for your career. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, the the two things I don't want to, three things I don't want to do. I don't want to visit you in jail. Yep. Um, I do not want to visit you in the hospital. Yep. And I do not want to meet your parents at the airport and explain why you're not with me. Yeah. Um, and, and when you say that, they just kind of sit and say, because yeah. you can do stupid things that, that can cost you your life. 
and yeah. I will not tolerate you doing that. Absolutely. And, and that usually hits home with them. By and large, I've been very lucky. My students, for the most part, are pretty good with that. And then take that with them because then they are going to travel for work and they yeah. are going to do business internationally. And just learning how to be a good citizen with, like, if I've got a great idea and I want to pitch that in Australia, I've got to under, although the, the culture looks the same, I got to understand the culture there before I'm ever going to get people to work with me on it. Absolutely. Or Germany or yeah. England or wherever it is that I'm going. Absolutely. You do have to understand those business and like very subtle cultural customs yeah. that because there's some things that you just absolutely should not do. Otherwise, it's considered rude. Like, oh, yeah, especially um, Switzerland and things like that. Yeah. Like they're very serious about their business customs oh, yeah. and um, especially just like talking and conversing. They really need to know who you are as a person if you jump straight in, um, they looked at that as that's rude. Like you're yeah. only after, I mean, yes, to some degree, you're only after yeah. the, the, like something. You need something, but you do need to have that personal relationship with yeah. them. Here in the U.S., for example, we, we kind of, I'll tell our business students, look, we're training you to be not aggressive, but be assertive. Yeah. And yeah. Make sure you tell people the stuff you're good at and, you know, kind of toot your own horn. Um, if you do that in Australia, that's very much looked down upon. Yeah. It's called the tall poppy syndrome. They do not like show-offs. They want people that are that are there to help everybody. And, exactly. And that can gain you tremendous disfavor right in a hurry if you do that. Yeah. Is that something you'd promote as like a day one thing that people should really be focusing on how to interact with people as a day one skill if you're going into business? Or what would you say is, like, if you had to tell somebody on their first day of their business career, what was the one skill that you should start on now and never let go? People skills. Yeah. I, I think communication, understanding that, you know, the words in the email are one thing, but the implication that comes from that is another. Mm -hmm. uh, the... In person, you know the the value of the in person discussion, um, all those all the nonverbals that we that we sometimes, let alone the pandemic, let alone you know how we've been separated for you know a year and a half now. Um, I don't think that as a culture that we were outstandingly astute at our nonverbal communication before that, mm -hmm. um, and the people that are able to create those relationships and foster those great relationships oftentimes are just the great communicators. And if yeah. you can't communicate um, or you, you come off as a troll, then it's not going to go well for that relationship. Yeah. So um, main key takeaways, building personal relationships, um, finding that happy medium between, um, I guess, uh, online versus in person, finding ways to communicate along those lines. Um, but yeah, I think that's almost all of our time that we have here today. Um, we absolutely loved having you on. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, really nice meeting Thank you. you. Um, it was nice talking and to you. Yeah, I hope to see you sometime soon. Great. Great. Yeah, for sure. Thank you.